Good morning, everyone. Happy Advent. Merry Christmas. And it's good to be here on such a special day when we welcome all of these new people into the church after a couple months ago, another some number, and so uh, it's really special. It's a blessing to each one of us. A blessing that brings a lot of joy to me. And today we're going to talk about joy and happiness and laughing. Because we uh, laugh and have joy or pretend to have joy for a lot of different reasons, right? Joy and laughter can be present because we're really feeling great or it might be because we're hiding something. And people who know me know that I love to teach using the words of popular music. So I immediately start thinking, well, are there any songs out there that talk about, you know, outward happiness and smiles and laughing when really uh, a sadness is being disguised inside. Anybody know any? This is not a test. Yeah, and you had to grow up in the 60s. So that cuts out most of the, cla of the church, I know that. Uh, a couple songs by Smokey Robinson come to mind. Here's one. People say that I'm the life of the party because I tell a joke or two. Although I might be laughing loud and hearty, deep inside, I'm blue. So take a good look at my face. You'll see my smile looks out of place. If you look closer, it's easy to trace the tracks of my, of my tears. The tracks of my tears. Yeah, the other one that comes to mind, I had to find it, uh, is, is the t tears of a clown. You know, don't let my glad expression give you the wrong impression, because really I'm sad. Oh, I'm sadder than sad. Well, I'm hurt and want you so bad. Well, there's some sad things known to men, but ain't too much sadder than the tears of a clown when there's no one around. That's my popular music uh, 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 teaching for the day. Because, uh, but, but there's some truth there. There's some truth that often our laughter and our smiles disguise what might be going on inside. Uh, we're gonna read a couple of stories today to think about what it means to feel joy and to express it uh, as we talk about joy and laughter. During Advent, which is where we are now, we, it's easy to think about and we'll hear about and we'll celebrate, and it's fantastic to do this, to celebrate the great joy of which the angels told the shepherds in the Gospel of Luke. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When you read that, it's pretty easy, I think, to truly be joyful. Joy and laughter are also possible as we live our everyday lives. But that's harder for some, maybe for most, maybe for everyone, depending upon your circumstances. It's harder for all of us as we live in a culture, especially at this time of the year, that has great busyness and stress and conflict and reasons, Brian just prayed about it, things that are going on in our country right now, and to some degree and to some extent, the same thing happens in each of our lives as we face things that are sometimes sad. I wonder where you are right now. I wonder what circumstance you're facing. Uh, this is a time of change. We see people leaving our community. We have, we have students in our church that are graduating. We have new beginnings as we're bringing new members into our church. But always, there's a backdrop that is not entirely good or entirely bad. It's, 
It's ups and downs. It's the circumstances of your life. The challenge is that joy is an emotion. It's a feeling and not just an idea. I don't totally control my emotions in a way that I can be joyful all of the time. Just think about what we've been studying in our Sunday school class and in our training for counseling, biblical counseling, when we talk about how people don't always, can't just turn on a switch or turn off a switch as they're feeling things inside. John Piper explains it this way, Christian joy is a good feeling. By that I mean it's not an idea, it's not a conviction, it's not a persuasion or a decision, it's a feeling. Or, and I use the words interchangeably here, an emotion. And one of the marks of the difference between an idea and an emotion or feeling is that you don't have immediate control over your feelings or your emotions. You can't snap your fingers and decide to feel something. So, we can know that the angel announced the birth of Jesus, and we can know that Jesus came for us, died, and rose again. But the feeling of joy we can have because of those things is not automatic. And we can know that Jesus has overcome any difficult circumstance we might face in our lives. But the feeling of joy we can have in spite of those things, and because Jesus has overcome those circumstances for us, it's not automatic. Are you joyful today? I know that I'm not all the time, and I crave the feeling of true, sincere joy, just like an addict might crave a drug. But it's not always possible, and I think at this time of the year, for many, maybe for all, it becomes even harder to feel the joy that we express superficially and outwardly despite the circumstances that we may be facing. So today we'll talk about a couple of times in the Bible where people laughed. Laughter came for different reasons though. Once because of a feeling of joy and once because of a feeling of fear and doubt. In each of these situations, we'll examine what caused the laughter, even more interesting because we're talking about the same person who went through this, Abraham's wife, Sarah. But before I read the scripture, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray now that you would guide us, give us eyes to see, hearts to hear and understand your scripture as we contemplate the true joy we can feel in the midst of whatever we face because of all of the things that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two different passages from Genesis is what I'll be looking at. First, Genesis 18, verses nine through 15. Here's the text. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in a tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? 
The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Yes, you did. You laughed. Okay. Time passes, the years goes by, and now we turn to Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? And yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now understand the context of our, of our text today. We're talking about, throughout Advent, the genesis of Jesus, what we find in the book of Jesus that points forward to, uh, to what Jesus would done. Scott first preached in the early part of December on the child who brings victory, and Luke last week preached on the child who brings rest, and today we're talking about the child who brings laughter, the story of the birth of Isaac. And in this first passage that we read, we see an example of doubtful laughter. In the second, we see an example of confident laughter. Now, I, I want to tell the story one more time, maybe in a little bit different way of understanding it. I've, Jody and I, have, as you know, have been working to help start a children's nursery, and now we have other volunteers who are working in our nursery. So I've been with your, some of your children a lot, and I've kind of gotten on their level. So, you know, this, this is for the benefit of some of the kids that I've met. We have, I see Claire back there. Is Claire there? Hi, Claire. Where's is Audrey here? Audrey back over, Audrey's back in the back. Hi, Audrey. She's running now. I see her back there. And there's, uh, Edward's here usually. He's over there. And then we have Peter and Samuel are with us. And um, who else have I met? Anybody else here who's regularly in the nursery? Anyway. Oh, yeah. Then there's the older kids who are helping. And Thomas is one of them. Nathaniel, Andrew. You guys are great. Jeremiah's up there sometimes. Anyway, here's the story told in a children's uh, storybook. And remember, Abraham was someone that God had picked out to be the leader of his family. He was going to reveal himself through this man's family. But he became old and he had not had the child that God told him he was going to have. So here's the story of how Abraham, as an old man, hears that he's going to have a baby. As Abraham sat at the door of his tent, he saw three strangers. He knew they were from a far country, for they did not even look like the men he knew. He ran to meet them, and he bowed low. Do not go on, but stay here, Abraham said. I will have water brought, so you may wash your feet. Please, rest under the tree. I will get you some food. Then you may go on. The three men agreed, and they stayed. First, Abraham sent for water to wash their feet. It was the custom for people to take off their sandals and washed their feet whenever they sat down to rest and wait. Next, Abraham told his wife to bake barley cakes upon the hearth, 
while he prepared the meat for his guests. Abraham ran out to his herd, chose a young calf, and had the servant dress and cook it. And as all was ready, Abraham brought the food to his guests, and they ate while he stood by. As they ate, one visitor asked, Where is Sarah? Abraham answered, She's in the tent. The visitor then added, Your wife Sarah will have a son. When Sarah heard this, she laughed. Abraham and she were old. They were like great-grandparents. Great-grandparents. You guys know what that is. Or grandparents. Like you have great-grandparents. That's right. <laughs> That's right. They were like that. How could they have children? So when Sarah heard what was told to her, she laughed. But it wasn't because she believed. It was because she doubted. She didn't think it could happen. The visitor turned to Abraham and asked, Why did Sarah laugh and think that she was too old to have a baby? Doesn't she know that nothing is too hard for the Lord? Well, Abraham then left Hebron, which is where they were. He journeyed south and west into the land of the Philistines. At Gerar, near the great sea, he made a new home. And a year later, God gave him and Sarah a baby. Abraham named the child Isaac, which means laughing. Both Abraham and Sarah had laughed when God told them that they would have a son in their age. The message is simple. God made a promise to Abraham and Sarah that was unbelievable. Unbelievable except that it had been made by God. And God told them that they were going to have a baby at a time in their lives when this seemed impossible. It just couldn't happen. Sarah reacts in a way that I imagine I would if someone promised me something that I knew they couldn't follow through on. She doubts. She doesn't believe it. And here we see the first kind of laughter. There are different kinds of laughter. There's laughter that's mean when you laugh at someone to kind of bully them. There's laughter that is covering something up because you want to hide what you're really feeling. There's skeptical laughter like, ha, 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 I can't believe you'd ever be able to do that. And there's doubtful laughter, which is kind of the same thing. And that's what we have here, doubtful laughter. And probably a little bit of the covering up kind of laughter as well because Sarah probably was very sad and probably at this stage of her life had been living with the expectation that she could be a mom, but she hadn't been one. So when somebody tells her at a late stage of life that she's going to be a mom, she's probably remembering the other 100 times people in their culture would have told her that she was going to have a baby. So she's covering up the way she's really feeling. God's made promises to you and me as well. And some of these promises have yet to be fulfilled. We don't have to worry about the coming of Jesus. That's a promise that has already happened. He's told us that we will have a forever life with him. And that's already happened as well. We're living in the, midst, in the, in the context of our eternal life now. What hasn't happened yet is the promise that you can have joy all the days of your life in spite of whatever up and down kind of circumstance you face. And that's not God's fault. It's our fault as we understand and know and even believe the promise but don't live as if it's true. 
And you're going to have to fill in the blanks of what kind of circumstances you're facing. You could have difficulty with relationships. You could have a sadness because of the loss of a loved one. You could have a, a fear because of some unknown future. Uh, and you're not really sure what's going on in that. You're making hard decisions. There's all sorts of reasons why we have ups and downs in our circumstances. But the question is, can you, especially at this time of the year, live in joy in spite of the fact that you don't exactly know how those promises are going to be fulfilled? What hasn't happened yet is the joy that you truly can experience throughout the rest of your earthly life. Sarah had faced a down circumstance probably most of her life. She wanted a child and she hadn't had one. Now God does not promise every woman that she will have a child. But He did pledge to Sarah that she would. But she didn't believe Him. She laughed. Not because of the joy she could have felt in light of God's promise. She laughed because she doubted that God could really do it. So think right now about what your down circumstances are. Do you find it difficult, as I do, to feel joy in the midst of that difficulty? No child, no spouse, an illness, a loss of a loved one, whatever it might be. Of course, when you think about it in a human kind of way, why should you feel joy at all? Why is it reasonable to think that no matter what you're facing, you could feel joy? Well, the reason is that God has given you a promise that transcends your difficulty. We call it the gospel, the good news. Now the gospel is a message that is both huge and eternal, but also that is very definitely down to earth and day to day. To day. The huge and eternal part is part of that saga that we celebrate every year at Christmas and during Advent as the people were waiting for the coming of God. And then in the Christmas celebration we celebrate the fact that our God has come to earth in the form of a little baby who grew to be our Savior, was born our Savior, grew up to be an adult man who died and went to the cross, died and rose, all because of the difficulties that we face and especially because of the difficulties that our sin has caused. That's all known and that's the Gospel and it's something that you can count on. But there's more to it because as much as we understand and believe that Gospel message, it is also true that we can live with a joy because of that message in spite of whatever difficulties we might be facing. Day to day, down to earth kinds of problems won't go away. They won't necessarily be solved, although God invites our prayers asking that we asking Him to solve our problems, but He's always there provoking and explaining and motivating the kind of joy that we can feel when we know something is true. Sarah did not feel the emotion she could have felt when God promised her a child. Her reaction, as I said, was laughter of skepticism and doubt. And we do the same thing, but we don't have to. Now God's promises are fulfilled, and in our story in chapter 21 we see that a year after the promise was made, what happened? Sarah had a baby. Amazing. God does what He says He will do. Now Sarah's laughter turns from doubt to confidence. And why shouldn't it? The baby Isaac is in her hands. 
Now she laughs out of joy. And she says in the scripture, everyone else laughs as well. This is an interesting translation question. The ESV says that Sarah knew that everyone who hears of Isaac's birth would laugh over her. I kind of like the NIV here, which says that everyone would laugh with her, with her. In other words, everyone will recognize that God has fulfilled his promise. It's easy for us to laugh and feel joy when the event has taken place, but God's gospel teaches us that it's also easy to feel confident about our future before it happens. For our eternal future does not depend upon us. If it did, we would at least laugh doubtfully, or worse, we'd feel a desperate kind of depression, knowing that we can have no hope. But our eternal future depends only upon a God who never fails to fulfill his promises. And here's the Advent message, I think. Just as Sarah could have felt the joy she ultimately did feel when she heard the promise without having to wait until Isaac was born, you and I can live in the knowledge that promises made by God are real and will be kept. He's already come into the world as promised. He's already lived, died, and rose in resurrection, all to satisfy God's plan of forgiveness and redemption for you and me. But we know that the life he promised, while it might not always seem close at hand, our circumstances and our sin make that promise seem elusive. We know that God has promised you and me a perfect life and knowing that and knowing that he keeps his promise, we can live with a joy that doesn't need to cover up other stuff. We can be true in our feelings. Even as we face our earthly existence that is not yet perfect, we can laugh in confidence. The secret to joyful Christmas, free from stress and busyness and worry, is to understand that the message of Advent and then Christmas is that the disappointment and the fear and the skepticism or the depression that we can feel from time to time can be set aside because of the good news told to the shepherds and to us that we should fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know the rest of the story. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May your laughter be confident and not doubtful as we proclaim God's gospel in this Christmas season. Let's pray. God, our lives are complicated, and it is not always easy for us to proclaim your gospel message, especially when we feel promises unfulfilled. But your promises have been fulfilled, and we can live in that light. I pray, Father, that in this season of Christmas especially, that you would give us the joy, a joy that provokes sincere, confident laughter, knowing that we are right with you because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.